0: Welcome to the podcast. We do recover with Jared Miller, your host. And I'm Dr.
1: Terry Sellers, your co-host. This is a podcast about addiction, but more importantly, about recovery. We want to talk about what successful recovery can look like.
0: Brought to you by Steps Recovery Centers.
1: What's going on, listeners? It's your host,
0: Jared Miller with MMG. Super excited to bring you guys episode one. Sitting here in the booth, the recovery booth. That's what we're going to call this. I've just decided. I just made an executive decision here. Oh, got a little got a little back play. <laughs> All right. Well, super excited to bring you episode one. We do recover with Jared Miller. Today I got a, your co-host, the man, the myth, the legend, Dr. Terry Sellers. Terry, what's
1: going on, buddy? Nothing. I'm happy to be here. Super excited to be on the podcast, and let's get it going. Absolutely.
0: I'm... Thank you so much for, for doing this podcast with me. I'm so excited. It's crazy, all this started in a conversation in a hot tub at your brother's house. you remember <laughs> that? Uh, I think that's all that happened in the hot tub though, so. <laughs> oh boy, here we go. So, uh, Sean Denovan, you like how I got your name right that time you buddy? You got it right, man, you got a cookie. Hey, I've been working on, been wor- <laughs> you know, working on pronunciations. And no, it's a great way to, uh, to uh, filter out telemarketers. So there you go. Absolutely. Well, cool. Welcome. Welcome.
1: Loving the plexiglass. Yeah. We got a little COVID friendly studio here with plexiglass between the two co-hosts. Yep. Keeping it safe. Keeping yep. it
0: safe. Yeah. Well, sweet. So I'm excited. Let's jump into it. Let's get in the meat. And, let's get to the meat and potatoes. Terry okay. Sellers.
1: What's the meat and potatoes? It's going to be your, your journey. Buddy. Okay. I've had a journey. So, I'll give
0: you that. <laughs> so tell me this. How did you go from being one of the most successful OBGYNs in Utah County to transitioning to being a board certified med specialist in substance abuse?
1: Let's get that. All right. Well, that was that, that's the journey, right? I mean, that's basically the journey. Let me start uh, early from the beginning. Uh, I was, uh, born in Farmington, New Mexico. And as a young child, I lived in New Mexico, Colorado, actually went to kindergarten and first grade in Provo, Utah. And when I was 11, we moved to Florida. I call Florida home now. And that's where, uh, you know, that's where I went to high school. That's where all my high school friends are. My parents lived there for a long time after that. And, um, so anyway, we moved to Florida, uh, I went to public high school. Grew up Mormon. Grew up very Mormon, but slightly different than some Utah Mormons, because Florida Mormons are a little quieter than Utah Mormons. But uh, got through high school, hadn't touched a substance, Got uh, never drank, never took a pill, didn't do any of that stuff in high school. Never? Not one time. Really? Yeah. Okay. So you're pretty flying straight kid, checking out yeah. the boxes, yeah, doing everything. Yeah, you- no, Ab- okay. absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I actually, when I was eight, my mother, uh, my, my mother's parents were not LDS and so, um, my grandfather had a Coors beer on the counter and I asked my mom if I could take a sip of it (laughs) and she said, yes. Um, and so I took a sip of Coors, but you know what? An eight year old's going to think of beer. I mean, that taste of that stuff is really not very good. There you go. Hey, the truth is coming out. So that was it. <laughs> that was it. I was at a party in high school once somebody passed me a beer and I looked at it and I thought, nah, I don't want to do this. And I just pass it on.
0: You're like, I tried that when I was eight and yeah. it was disgusting. <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, it is disgusting, right? Yeah, people, people say it's an acquired taste. What that means is it was disgusting the first time. Okay. <laughs> hey? They just liked the alcohol content and kept trying to make it work for them. But anyway, so I grew up in Florida, came time to go to college and I wanted to get away from home. So uh, I applied to and got accepted to BYU and came out to BYU as a freshman. I came out when I was 17 years old. Um, After my first year of school, I went on a mission for the Mormon church to Indonesia for a year and the Philippines for a year and got back and came back to school. So let me, let me ask you this. You grew up, you were born out in New
0: Mexico. Yeah. Florida is what you call your home state. Right. What was the difference there when you moved to Utah? Like, was there stuff that specifically stood out to you? Like, whoa, this is a culture shock.
1: No, not really. Cause again, I went to kindergarten and first grade in Provo when my dad was finishing up his degree. So I'd lived in Provo. i kind of knew what I was getting into. And so it wasn't really much of a culture shock to me and Frankly, I, you know, Florida's a lot different than Utah for sure, but I grew up fairly Mormon. My lifestyle, my culture was not that far from Utah anyway, so it didn't really bug me. Good point. Good point. So, anyway, uh I I need to keep this first part a little shorter, but I graduated from BYU in 1985. I um had a bachelor's degree in science at the time, uh majoring in zoology, which is really BYU's sort of version of biology. Um, and I wanted to go to med school, but I had messed around a little bit my freshman year and wasn't very mature when I came to school. So my grades weren't very good. And so I went to the pre-med advisor and said, Hey, can I, uh, you think I'm going to get in and he took a look at my grades and then, uh, I took the medical college admissions test and I, I absolutely crushed that test and he looked at me and said i I'm not with that gpa and so i asked him how i was going to get in so he said get a master's degree and get all a's and you'll get in so i got a master's degree and i got all A's. got accepted to st louis university school of medicine awesome now, again
0: still checking off all the
1: boxes sure and doing everything right sure lining them up and knocking them down sure except for here comes the beginning of the journey okay when i was in graduate school uh, my grandmother who was still living in farmington new mexico passed away and I went down to help my, my mom clean the house and move furniture around and stuff. Cause I wasn't very far away and I was 24 at the time strapping young lad. And, um, I got down there and I'm moving stuff around on the first day and I get this terrible migraine headache. So I went into the bathroom cause the bathroom had tile floor and the tile was cold. So I laid down on this cold tile floor, which helped my head feel a little better. And I also like to be sort of close to the toilet because I throw up sometimes when I get migraines, right? Not too close to the toilet because, right. Exactly. I know how guys pee, right? Um, So my mom walks in and says, what's going on? And I said, wow, I have got the worst migraine. And so she rifles through my grandmother's medicine cabinet and gives me, picks out this thing that says take one every four hours for pain. Well, my grandmother had passed away from cancer. She had good pain meds. Oof. So I didn't realize it at the time I didn't, I hadn't gotten to med school. I didn't know anything about medications really, but what she originally handed me that first pain pill that I can remember ever taking was a Dilaudid. Zero to a hundred real quick. Dilaudid's a good one, right? I mean, that's a great place to start. I laid back down on the bathroom floor and remember I'm in graduate school at this time. So I'm doing a lot of scientific stuff. And I laid down on this bathroom floor. And I could picture this was actually happening live in my brain. I could picture a graph. And if you can see a graph, there's an X axis and a Y axis, right? On the X axis was time on the Y axis was pain. And so this graph started out with the pain level really high and I could feel that line of pain as time went on. I could feel that coming down. But there was a second line on this graph. That second line was this sort of warm, fuzzy, Sort of, wow, this is all right, kind Euf- of line. Euphoria. Yeah. Euphoria. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And I didn't recognize exactly what that was at the time, but I, ju- I could see this line going up. It started down at zero. I didn't have any euphoria before I took the pill. I could feel that going up. And as about 20, 15 to 20 minutes after I took that dilated I watched those two lines cross in my brain. And the minute that happened, I thought to myself, man, if I could feel like this for the rest of my life, I would be just fine. Welcome to the first step of addiction. I submit to you. That's the brain of a guy that if he continues taking those types of pills is going to get addicted, Yeah, Yeah. right? I mean, I think that was hardwired in me. So, um, I went on, I went to med school, had a couple of migraines in med school, went to the uh, ER, give me a shot of morphine once and sent me on my way. Um, so at this point it's safe to say it wasn't truly like
0: an all out full blown active addiction, everyday use, right? It was just right. You tried it, you went, Wow. Yeah. That no, was I nice. loved it,
1: but I didn't take another I didn't have another opiate for probably three or four years. Yeah. And then um in residency, so I, I graduated from medical school, uh decided to become an OBGYN. Residency was in Detroit. Medical school was in St. Louis and residency was in Detroit and again another migraine in Detroit, I went to the emergency room. They gave me a shot of morphine and sent me on my way. So um Did you have the same, sorry, I'm just gonna go in real quick. Did you have the same
0: experience the second and third time when you went to the doctor, you know, when you went and got those morphine shots, was it like this mind blowing experience that you just described to us on the tile
1: floor with the Dilaudid? Not that, not exactly that same experience for sure. It felt good. I liked the way it made me feel, but it wasn't quite as mind blowing as the first time I did it for sure. So, um, but while I was in residency, the medical profession invented a drug called sumatriptan or imitrex. Okay. Imitrex is a, um, migraine only medicine. Doesn't even help pain. It's not a pain reliever. It helps only migraines. You could blow your knee out and take an imatrex and it wouldn't help at all. Hmm. Right? So I started taking imatrex some and that helped some, but yeah. So, okay, then I get to, I finish my residency, and I come out to Provo to deliver babies, right? Yeah, yeah. People ask me why I come to Provo to deliver babies, and that's like a ridiculous question, right? <laughs> if you want to deliver babies, you go to Provo, right? For, for those of you that are listening that are out of state, we got some out-of-state followers. Yeah, sure. Provo
0: is the Mecca Center for Families. It's a big, yeah, yeah. It's, it's not a secret in the, in the LDS culture. A big part of it is family. Sure. It's a huge part sure. of it. I think any Christian faith is, and so that's a good, a good, Uh, Thing to point out is, yeah, you
1: you definitely dipped into the right market. Sure. So what you run across in Detroit is, I remember being in on a surgery where where we removed a bullet from a fetus from a drive-by shooting. Then you want to see that in residency. Then you want to move to Provo where you're never going to see that again, right? (laughs) No crack addicted babies or any of that stuff. And so moved to Provo and delivered a bunch of happy, healthy moms that were happy they were pregnant and you know, not using a bunch of crazy drugs or not in gangs or that's exact. I did exactly what I wanted to do. Right. I wanted to deliver babies. I loved it. It was really fun. So I got out to Provo and I joined the busiest group in town. I got lucky with the, how I got accepted into that group. And that's a part of the story that's not very relevant, so I won't tell it, but I'm in the busiest group in town. There were three of us, doctor. Well, I don't need to name names, but there were three of us and we were very busy. We were on call every third night. So when we were on call, we were up a fair amount. And I noticed that my migraines started getting worse and worse. Like I got more of them the days after I had been up all night. Yeah. So, um, there was a drug called state at the time. There's still a drug called state but, um, at the time it was not a controlled substance. It's an opiate, uh, partial agonist antagonist, which is scientific for it's an opiate <laughs> basically. <laughs> good, right. Good. Um, and it came in a nose spray and i could write that drug for myself and not get in trouble because it was not a controlled substance right so i started using a bunch of stadol and then stadol's not great i mean it's not diluted right so then i started figuring out ways to get more and more morphine i had primary care phys- physician that would give me a shot of morphine every time i came into his office with a migraine then I started developing more and more physicians that I could rotate through. So on Monday, I'm going to this guy. On Tuesday, I'm going to this girl. On Wednesday, I'm going to this person. And so um, I started I started using either opiates, either uh, shots of morphine or pain pills daily at that point. So at what point, I'm just curious,
0: and if we got people out there that are watching us Facebook Live, please feel free to, to write a comment, ask questions for the doctor. My question is, uh, Dr. Sellers, at what point, can you identify or transition from a medical need? Okay. I have a migraine
1: yeah. to pleasure seeking. Yeah. I can't, I, I can't name, I can't pinpoint that time. It right? just kind of evolved. I started for sure with real pain, but my brain liked the morphine so much that it started sending me signals that it had a migraine when in fact, there's no way I was having seven migraines a week. Right. Right. I mean, I used to have two migraines a month and all of a sudden I'm using a bunch of morphine and my brain's telling me I got a migraine every day. I don't remember exactly when that switch flipped, but it did. And so, you know, I'd go seek an opiate every single day and I spent a lot of time trying to, you know, procure that. I, I would, listen, I did all the things that people do when they're in that, in throes of addiction. I would call in Uh, pain pills for family members of mine using another doctor's name and DEA number.
0: Well, eventually that'll get you in trouble. Well, it did,
1: right? Yeah. That'll that'll definitely get you in trouble. Yeah. That's not a good thing to do. I'm not recommending that. Okay. I can look back on it now and I'm not really ashamed of my story. It's my story, but uh, I I, I wish I'd maybe gone another route a little bit, but so the state eventually found out. Yeah. And so when the state found out, one night I'm reading in my study at home, and, the, and the D, or a, a policeman from Orem walked, knocked on my door and said, hey, we want to talk to your wife about this prescription that Dr. So-and-so wrote for her. Oof. Well, Dr. So-and-so was me, but the name and DEA number I used was a friend of mine's.
0: Be honest. How, how, how
1: deep did your heart just drop oh, in that moment? Oh, my gosh. Did you know right then? like, Yeah, it's over. Boom. It's all over right here. Boom. This is the end of it. Oh this is the end of my life years of studying right. years of school right a whole client base so what eventually transpired is i i wound up getting charged with well, the original charge was six felony counts of uttering a false prescription <laughs> i didn't think i uttered by the way i thought i spoke quite clearly when i called them in <laughs> but whatever um i got that pled down to one felony count and i got a plea in abeyance on that but once you get a felony count, the division of professional licensing finds that out. Mm-hmm. And I lost my license to practice medicine. Understandably. So here comes the recovery journey, right? The, one of the things that the state, let me ask you this. Hold yeah, on. Yeah, let's, go ahead. So
0: what was the worst offense? What was the, the biggest charge you'd had mm-hmm. before you picked up ultimately one felony, but originally they charged you with six, right? I mean, Terry, you are like a zero to. Uh, you know, zero to a hundred type guy. First of all, no other pain meds. I mean, most people start off with like Percocet or lower tab and right. like it and slowly build up to the logs. I mean, you were your first introduction to opiates was dilaudid. Right. That's crazy. And right. then it sounds to me like I'm assuming here that
1: you went from maybe a speeding ticket or a parking ticket to boom six felonies i would guess the speeding ticket was about as bad as it got (sighs) I got pulled over once as a high schooler for throwing donuts out the window at a friend of mine
0: they shouldn't that's (laughs) That's when you got on their radar that is that's when they started watching you i'm sure
1: it wasn't the calling in the prescriptions it was the donut throwing for sure
0: Okay, sorry, That's so it. no, you're y- good. You guys are tuned into. We do recover with Jared Miller. We got Dr. Terry Sellers here. We want to mention thank you Steps Recovery for sponsoring us. Terry's about to dive into uh his journey into recovery. so take us
1: up to that point, Terry. okay, so um so I lost my license to practice medicine. Ah, gut check. The state required well listen before i actually lost it the state required me to go to treatment but when they started finding out about it the state required me to go to treatment so i went to treatment at a and d psychotherapy in sandy okay. wonderful place listen if you want to go get treatment that's a great place to get treatment sorry it's not a sponsor no that's but okay. they, it's your story it's but your they journey. sure helped me yeah so um i went there kind of you know didn't really want to be there didn't really take it all that seriously initially Took me a little while to kind of figure it all out. I went to treatment in 2001. Okay. I didn't actually stop using drugs until 2003. So I'm, you were playing with the state <laughs> at this point, right? You can play with the state a little bit, um, by getting shots of morphine in doctor's offices. Cause those are not reported anywhere to the state. So I kept doing that. And Doppel allowed me, as long as I had a note from my doctor that said I got a prescription, or I got a shot, I mean, they allowed me to have positive urine tests for morphine. So you found a loophole. I found a loophole, and I used it hard, right? I kept using. Well, eventually, it started to get so ugly and so bad that I finally figured out, hey, let's not do this anymore. So I I quit in 2003. My last morphine shot was March 17th of 2003. I've been clean ever since that. That's awesome. Yeah, it is. So what is, it's oh, really awesome for me, really. <laughs> Absolutely. Dr. Sellers, tell us what recovery looks like for you today.
0: Like, I I love that, right? That's, you've taken us through. The beautiful part about that is maybe I'm not a doctor. Okay. Maybe I barely have a GED and I can relate to everything you're saying. All those behaviors. Right. It doesn't matter. Right. The economic status. It those aren't doctor behaviors.
1: Status. Those are drug addict right,
0: behaviors. Right. Right. So, Thank you for that. That's, that's quite the journey, man. That is,
1: yeah, that's an amazing, yeah. amazing. Uh, it was a journey. journey. Absolutely. It was, it was tough. So, so l- let me hit you with another quick, I know we're running short on time know, a little yeah. bit, but let me hit you with another real quick thing. So I lost my license. I sold an, uh, uh I sold my house for about 700 grand. I was living in a beautiful home driving a Porsche. Right. I wound up selling the house and I turned the Porsche back into the dealership and said, you can come try and get me if you want, but I don't have any money. I'm not making any money right now. I, um, got really depressed, but one day figured out it took me three months. I sat alone in a room for three months and barely came out, didn't shower. I didn't do anything. One day it finally hit me that I got to figure out how to feed my family. And so. Uh, My wife had taken a job when I lost my license with a a fast food restaurant called Hoagie Yogi and that Hoagie Yogi place had hired her to make all of the cookies for all the Hoagie Yogi's in Utah. She made between six and 9,000 cookies a day. She hired me for $8 an hour to scoop the cookies and arrange them on a plate to be baked. I went from, I literally made almost $500,000 in 2004, which was my last full year of practicing medicine, I made $17,000 in 2006. Give us those figures one more time. That's astronomical. The truth is I made $477,000 in 2004 and I made $17,000 in 2006. Man, it's hard to pay bills on 17,000, particularly when you've expanded your budget to meet the $477,000 budget. Right? Absolutely. So anyway, I, uh,
0: tell us about the redemption. So Ultimately, re- you came to the conclusion so the- where you were going to pick yourself up by your bootstraps
1: and and embrace being an addict, and yeah. now you're a board-certified yeah, medical so, specialist. So I went to treatment, and I hung around there for a long time. They had a really nice aftercare program where you could go to any one of four aftercare meetings a week for free for six months after you graduated. Yeah. I, I went to aftercare. I just kept going. One day, the owner of the treatment center said, why don't you, and I'd been clean at this point for... Um, I actually didn't lose my license till 2005. I got clean in 2003, but it was all legit. It was based on stuff that I did. And so anyway, I, um, the owner of the treatment center after I'd been going for a while said, why don't you go back to the Doppel division of professional licensing and ask for your license back? I'm like, listen, the way I deal with Doppel is I'm a snake. I slither in and hope they don't discover anything. And I slither back out. Right? <laughs> I love it. So this, this, the owner of this treatment center is this, an East coast guy. That's really kind of matter of fact and brash. And he went with me and said, and he said to the, the board, he said, you guys have beat this guy up long enough. I've been clean for three years at this point. He said, he said, you should give him his license back. So I gave him my license back. Wow. Well, do you, I don't you know what to the name do. of
0: that guy just yeah. to give him a oh, shout yeah. out,
1: Mike Dussault. Absolutely, Mike. What a Mike Dussault. Y- you're a path changer, buddy. Yeah, yeah, he changed my path for sure. And okay. his wife, Tammy, who was a, one of the substance abuse counselors at that treatment center, who really set me on the right path. So um, now I'm now I got my license back, but I don't want to go back to OBGYN because I know what that means. That means I stay up all night, that means I shoot morphine, all yeah. right, that means I get migraines, which makes me at risk to shoot morphine, right? So I didn't want to do that, and so one day that Mike do so. And, and his wife, Tammy asked me, Hey, do you want to run our, our evening aftercare program? Well, I'm not really a counselor, but being licensed as a physician, allows you to do that. So I started running the evening aftercare program and uh, it just kind of spiraled from there. Like I became the, I became the original medical director and for a couple of years, clinical director of steps recovery center. Nice. Uh, the, the original owner was a friend of mine from, from way back. And he asked me if I'd want to be the medical director. I went and did that. Eventually went back and got some extra training and took the board exam to be, to be board certified in addiction medicine. Everything since that time has been, my jobs have all been related to addiction medicine. They've all been related to helping addicts find what I finally had found. And man, for the first time in a long time, I found something that woke me up in the morning. Something that made me feel good about what I was going to do that day. Absolutely. And I hadn't had that for a while. Scooping cookies does not wake you up in the morning. I'm sorry. Right. It, I didn't, I did it, but I didn't, it didn't excite me
0: Right. for sure. And I truly believe that God puts us on a journey. Look, there, there's tons of doctors out there that can deliver babies. You know, I, I think that he saw something in you and gave you the gift of going through this hardship so that you could in turn affect other people's
1: lives. To me, it's been a wonderful gift. Listen, I learned some things about myself by becoming addicted that I was not going to learn any other way. Humility is not a giant strong point for me. I'm terrible at it, (laughs) right? But God had tried to teach me humility earlier in my life in softer, kinder ways, and I didn't get it. Suddenly I'm addicted to morphine. I can't figure out how to do it on my own. I tried to quit a million times and couldn't. All of a sudden, I got I addic- I got this, I got this. some help. I finally gave up in trying to control it myself. I got some help and all of a sudden, yeah, I learned some humility. You learn humility scooping cookies at eight bucks an hour. And that's how you became the man, the myth and the legend. I'm so excited to have you on here as my co-host.
0: Thank you so much, Terry. I'm happy to be here. Absolutely. Let's have some fun. All right. Thank you, listeners. Please, if you uh, check this out, like it, comment, share. The more people that can be reached by this, the more lives we can affect. Thank you so much. We'll see you next week. See you next week.
1: Thank you for joining us today on We Do Recover with Jared Miller. Help us spread our message of hope. Like, comment, and share. If you have any topics or ideas for future shows, please share that on our Facebook page. That Facebook page is We Do Recover
0: with Jared Miller. If you or a loved one needs help, please reach out to us. Again, thank you for listening. Brought to you by Steps Recovery Centers. This has been a production from a podcast studio.